Well, good day. I'm trying to come up with a, a, a new greeting that's not like good morning because we have a service at 6.30 online, so if I'm saying good morning, they're watching 6.30, so good day. I, it's hard for me to say that without trying to sound Australian a little bit, so, but, but good day. Anyway, whether, you, whether you're here live this morning or whether you're watching online, we really do thank you for making the decision uh, to come out and join us today. I have the privilege this morning of uh, sharing part four of a series that we're calling The Certainty, and today's title is The Certainty of Forgiveness. Our text today is going to be out of Luke chapter 7, and we'll get to that in just a few minutes, but um, I don't know if you're like me, but um, in the, the past season, uh, there's been a decided lack of humor in my life. And I'm a guy that appreciates humor, if you've ever heard me teach before. With the exception of the last eight or ten months, I really haven't shared jokes or much humor. It was a pretty somber time, a lot of the stuff that was going on. And it, not that it's still not a somber time, but I'm going to start with a joke, okay? Because you guys need some humor in your life just as much as I need some. And you might not think this is funny, but it ties together with our service today also. The Sunday school teacher had just concluded her lesson on forgiveness and wanted to make sure she'd made her point. So she asked the question to her class, can anyone tell me what you must do before you can obtain the forgiveness of sin? There was a short pause and then from the back of the room, Johnny spoke up. Sin, he said. So evidently you didn't get that joke. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's, as I used to tell my daughter, it's not too hard to figure out. What must you do? She was looking for a theological answer. What must you do? You must repent, blah, blah, blah. But the answer was you must sin. To get, and that was the adult Sunday school class, so I, I, I understand what's going on here this morning. So, uh, and I might change the joke for the next service. We'll see. Uh, so, uh, obviously, some of you guys didn't think that was funny, and some of you just didn't get it flat out. So, the bottom line is we're all sinners, and we all fall short of God's glory, uh, the Word tells us. I like what Paul Tripp writes. He says, we daily produce empirical evidence of our sin nature. If you think you're not a sinner, then you're not looking at your life on a daily basis. The truth is... We all need forgiveness. We've been using Luke chapter 1, verse 4 as our key verse in this series, and it says this, so that you may know the certainty of the things which you have been instructed, that you may know with certainty. And so before we jump into our text today, I want to look at the first point of your outline, um, which says forgiveness is a certainty. And I don't know if you guys remember uh, in the late 90s, uh, and actually, there's some of you that might not have been born in the late 90s. It doesn't seem like that long ago. But, um, uh, but there was a billboard campaign that was messages from God. Do you, any of you guys remember that? They were big. It was an ad agency. Somebody paid an ad agency to, to take this up. My favorite one was, was don't make me come down there, God. <laughs> but, but that one doesn't tie with the, the sermon today. So th there was also one that said, I forgive you. God. Okay, and that, that says a lot. That is, in those three words signed by God, that, that says 
a whole bunch of stuff. And so really God's redemptive plan for mankind from before the foundations of the world was to provide forgiveness. It wasn't plan B after mankind fell. It wasn't like God said, oh my goodness, I didn't expect them to be disobedient. I didn't expect them to sin. I better come up with plan B. No, it was his plan from day one. And it's his nature. It's God's nature to forgive. It's who he is. And if you're a Chris Tomlin fan, it's who he is. It's who he is. It's who he is. It's who he is. Okay, you're starting to, you're, I'm, I'm starting to warm you up a little bit with, with, with the humor, okay? Uh, our salvation... Our acceptance of that forgiveness requires a personal faith. It requires uh, a faith that expresses itself in voluntarily embracing God's gift of forgiveness through Christ and his work on the cross. And that work provides for us a way for us to be restored to our created purpose of relationship with our creator. And it's only by accepting God's plan through Christ and him crucified that forgiveness is a certainty. It is a certainty, but you have to do it according to God's plan, which was through his son. The Old Testament prophet Micah says this about God's forgiveness. And it's really important to understand that he says this with amazement in his voice. Micah chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. It says, who is a God like you? Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. And that's from the Old Testament. And most all of the New Testament writers also speak of the importance of understanding the certainty of God's forgiveness uh, when, that, uh, when that forgiveness is accepted through Christ's work on the cross. Uh, almost all the writers mention this. Uh, the, the Apostle John in, in 1 John chapter 5 said, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know, that you may know, that you may have certainty that you have eternal life. And eternal life because Christ forgives us when we accept his plan that you may have certainty. Again, the Apostle Paul, again, he, he speaks in several places and he uses the imperative, we have. We have forgiveness of sin. He's saying it's a done deal when by faith you accept this plan for forgiveness. And we'll look at some of those scriptures uh, later in uh, today's message. One of the ones that I want to bring up though is out of the book of Luke, um, which will be in Luke today in chapter 7. But in Luke chapter 5, um, we see a forgiveness account, we see Luke recording uh, Jesus' words as he heals the paralytic. And this is a forgiveness account that is not just words spoken with unseen results, but it's accompanied by a miracle out of Luke chapter 5. And these are Jesus' words. He says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. So a, a visual, uh, uh, something that happened in front of these people of Christ saying, I have the authority to forgive sins. This is what forgiveness looks like. This man is being restored. 
He's going to walk in newness of life. So it was a visual illustration of his forgiveness. So the miracle, again, demonstrating that he has the authority and that forgiveness is certain. Um, I'm not going to have our text on the screen today that we're going to look at, and, and I'm just going to read it from my Bible. But it's out of Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. And I'm going to read the story to you. My Bible, the heading in my Bible calls this the, a sinful woman forgiven. A sinful woman forgiven. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose from whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Quite a story, quite a dramatic story in this. The first thing I want to look at is point two on your outline, which says forgiveness is available to all. Forgiveness is available to all. These two characters that I just read about in this text, one's Simon the Pharisee and the other unnamed woman. Now, I believe uh, that both of these parties, Simon the Pharisee and this unnamed woman, had both heard Jesus' teaching. They had heard Jesus talk about forgiveness and talk about eternal life and how those things happened. And now, in describing the woman, most, most Bible scholars, most people that are a lot smarter than I am, they feel like this woman was a well-known prostitute in the area and possibly even well-known to Simon himself. And what she was doing violated every social construct of the time. Women were not, not allowed into to banquets. They were, Jewish men did not touch women or talk to women in a public way like that. And to boot, she was a sinner. She was a known, known sinner. And so I believe everybody in that room except for Jesus, because most of the people in the room were Simon's Pharisee buddies, uh, they were aghast that this sinner uh, would dare to enter their presence. Okay, They were just taken back. And so you see the difference in that story. The difference was um, 
between the woman and the Pharisee is that her sin was obvious, it was blatant, and it was public. It was well known. Their sin, Simon's sin, was hidden and unknown to others. He had sin, but it was unknown. It was hidden sin in his heart. Simon was blind to his sin. He was blind to his need for forgiveness. But the woman, the woman came understanding her need for God's unconditional forgiveness through Jesus. It tells us in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God's forgiveness is available to all, and he does not score us on our worthiness of being forgiven. We're not scored on our worthiness to be forgiven. We're not scored on how bad our sin is or how much or how little we have sinned. Scripture tells us there is none righteous, no, not one. I want to tell a short personal story. I was, I was early in my Christian life. I was Simon the Pharisee. And I'll describe it this way. I had a brother who, who passed away um, who lived a horrible lifestyle in every way. He was completely contrary to the kind of person that I was. He was irresponsible, uh, and I'm not saying that I was always responsible, but he was irresponsible. He was in addiction for most all of his adult life. Uh, and when I came into relationship with Christ, I could not pray for my own brother. I couldn't pray for my brother because I felt like, well, I can understand why God would forgive me but I don't know why God would forgive my brother. I don't even know why he'd want to. Because I was judging his sin. I was figuring that because I'm me and, and I'm so worthy of forgiveness that how could God want to forgive him? Horrible, horrible, horrible. I still, I still am struggle with that in my, own, in my own thinking about how I could think that wrongly in that. None of us deserve forgiveness. None of us are worthy. It's unconditional. There's a quote by Martin Luther that says, to be convinced in our hearts that we have forgiveness of sins and peace with God by grace alone is the hardest thing. To be convinced in our hearts that we have forgiveness of sins and peace with God by grace alone is the hardest thing. Again, we can never deserve forgiveness, but sometimes we think we do. Okay? We could never clean ourselves up enough to earn forgiveness, but sometimes we try. We could never do enough good works to pay our way to be forgiven, but sometimes that's our motive. God's forgiveness is available to all. It's unmerited. It's unconditional. Our part is to accept it by faith. God's grace and forgiveness is giving us what we do not deserve, so again, forgiveness is available to all. The third point on your outline says forgiveness is a choice. And this is important to hear this morning, is there's only two choices, okay? Forgiveness is a choice, but there's only two choices. And we see both of those choices in this story today. Now, I will tell you, we don't know what Simon's final choice was, but we know what his choice was in this, in this text 
out of Scripture. So again, we see the woman accepting God's offer of forgiveness, and we see Simon rejecting God's offer for forgiveness. That's the only two choices that we have, okay? And it's important to understand this. They both had the same exact offer. There are no pre-existing qualifiers based on their station in life or based on their sin history. Those things don't exist. Those things only exist in our heads, in our thinking, okay? Those are wrong assumptions. There's no pre-existing qualifiers. Jim talked about the roadmap the last couple of weeks uh, and, and the roadmap of hearing, believing, living, and knowing. Simon stopped at the hearing. He'd heard, and that's where he stopped. The woman now, by faith, she moved through that roadmap with the results being forgiveness and a changed heart. Her life was changed. Jesus, on the evening before he'd go to the cross, said this in Matthew 26. This is part of the, some of the scripture we use for communion. He said, this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Of those many, not all will accept God's plan for their forgiveness through Christ and him crucified. Okay, Not all will accept that. Many will reject that offer of grace for eternal life. Many will count the shed blood of Christ as useless, and many will refuse to believe that the rejection of this gift will result in eternal separation from the God who loves them and desires a relationship with them. Okay? That's the result of that rejection. I was told one time by a, by a teaching uh, a, a teaching class teaching on how to do a sermon is they said you'll need to uh, be so skilled at your, at your teaching that you'll, you can tell somebody how to go to hell and they'll look forward to the trip. That's not what I'm trying to do here, but what I'm trying to emphasize and help you understand is that rejecting Christ's offer for forgiveness is an eternal decision that has eternal consequences. And in the same way, the woman had eternal life because of her decision. So again, on the fence, if you're on the fence about Christ and his work for you on your behalf on the cross, if you're undecided, that's a rejection. There's only two choices. There's no fence to sit on. There's no undecided. That means that, that you've rejected that offer. And so that means if you get hit by the proverbial bus, which is really hard in Cottonwood to get hit by a bus, but if you get hit by a bus this afternoon, your eternal destiny is sealed if you have rejected Christ's offer for your salvation. If you're there today, two things I would tell you is watch out for buses. And the second thing I would tell you is we have a start with Jesus class today at three o'clock. If, if you're undecided on, on who Jesus is and what it means to be in a relationship, come to that class. Let Pastor Jim answer your questions about that, okay? That's happening today at 3. You can sign up across the hall at the information desk. So I want to also tell a true story that I think really well illustrates this. I love this story. It's a sad and tragic story, but it really illustrates this point really well. And it happened in 1830, so uh, a little bit before I was born. A man, a man named George Wilson was arrested for mail theft. This is a true story. He was arrested for mail theft, and the penalty for mail theft at the time was hanging. You guys can go home and look this up. Uh, it was hanging. After a time of being in, in prison, President Andrew Jackson gave Wilson a pardon, but he refused the pardon, and the authorities didn't know what to do with it. They were, they were 
they just couldn't figure out what to do with that. He's rejected the pardon. What, what should we do? Should, should we free him or should we hang him? So they sent it to the, the Supreme Court and Chief Justice John Marshall handed down this decision. A pardon is a slip of paper the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person to be pardoned. If it is refused, it is no pardon. George Wilson must be hanged. Now, boy, if that's not a, a pointed story. Now, there's several different, I, I stopped it at six or eight resources in, in to see if he was actually hung. And there was different opinions on whether he was or not. But nevertheless, the value of pardon, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person to be pardoned, if it is refused, it is no pardon. Okay? That's a powerful story about, about forgiveness and the choice we have to accept or deny that. A couple of weeks ago, um, on February 6th, February 6th, Cornville Road was an anniversary for me. It was 38 years to the day of being in relationship with Christ. And so on February 5th, on that Friday, February 5th, 1983, for you people that want to try to figure out how old I am, on February 5th, 1983, for the first time in my 29 years of life, I actually heard God's plan for my forgiveness. Now, how could have I not heard it all those, the first 29 years of my life? I don't know. I was spiritually blind to it. I was completely oblivious to it. I'd never heard the story before. I'd never heard the salvation story before. I'd never heard about God's forgiveness before. So that was Friday. On Saturday, after driving all day on a return trip home from Denver, I pulled my truck over the side of the road and I, I prayed. I didn't know how to pray, but I, I just basically said, Lord, if you're real and this pardon is real and you can forgive me, uh, then I'm all in. Hey, I, I, I want this. I want this pardon. Went to church the next morning, went to home group that night, and, and uh, it's been a blessed life ever since. But it was a decision uh, that I made. And so what I'm getting at is forgiveness is a choice. The fourth point on your outline is forgiveness has evidence. Acts 3.19 says, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. This woman in the text that we've looked at today was demonstrating the first steps of her repentance. Her heart was broken over her sin. She was broken and humbled before her Lord who had forgiven her. This is perhaps, I believe, one of the best illustrations of what uh, King David said in Psalm 51 where he says, The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit, you will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. This woman had a broken and a repentant heart, okay? And, and she understood the gravity of our sin. She understood the price that Christ would pay for her sin, and her heart was broken. She was in the first steps of repentance. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The miracle... I read about a miracle about a, a man being healed, a paralytic being healed and walked. This is as bigger, bigger of a miracle right here. This is the miracle of a transformed heart. This is a miracle of somebody having a new nature. This is a miracle that, that her faith expressed, in her expression of her faith, that she was able to and that she would begin the process of turning away from her old life 
and walking in newness of life. She was taking those first steps from where she was to where God wanted her to be. She was in the first steps of that process. I'm going to go ahead and read some more of the text out of Luke chapter 7. Uh, Jesus says, then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Listen very carefully to this part. These actions of this woman that I just read to you, okay, were in no way, in no way why she was forgiven. It had nothing to do with why she was forgiven. Again, forgiveness is entirely unmerited. But instead, they were a result of her forgiveness. They were a demonstration of her faith expressing itself through love. Didn't have anything to do. When you read those actions, it's like, man, she must have really... No, she didn't earn that. Those were a reaction to her forgiveness. Those are a result of her forgiveness. And what a contrast with Simon the Pharisee. He demonstrated demonstrated his unbelief. He demonstrated his rejection of God's plan for his forgiveness by his actions. When Christ listed those contrasts off, he was was saying, Simon, you didn't do this. Here's the things that you didn't do. Uh, Not comparing them, but just demonstrating his rejection of that offer. And his pride, his spiritual pride kept him from seeing his own sin. His spiritual blindness prevented him from laying hold of eternal life. And again, Scripture tells us, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So the woman, a new nature and a changed heart, was evidence of her forgiveness. The fifth point on your outline is forgiveness brings peace. This text that we looked at today concludes in verse 50, uh, where Jesus says to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. So it was her faith that saved her, not her actions. It was her faith in Christ and, and his ability to forgive her. That's what saved her. Now go in peace. This, that verse literally translates, go into peace. Go into peace. She was taking her first steps with a new nature, with a new identity, uh, a new life that was made possible through her faith in the one who had the power and the authority to forgive. Lasting peace, there's only one way to have lasting peace. Lasting peace is only possible when our sin no longer conditions our relationship with our holy God. Okay, let me say that again. Uh, Lasting peace is only possible when our sin no longer conditions our relationship with our holy God. The result of forgiveness and restoration to our created purpose is that harmony is restored. We are no longer at enmity with God. We're not warring against him, okay? We have peace with God. Ephesians 1, verses 7 and 8 say, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, 
which he lavished upon him. We have. It's a done deal. And then in Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. We have been justified by faith with the results being peace with God. That big theological word, justification, it has two parts to it, okay? The first part is the forgiveness of sin and the removal of its guilt and punishment. That's the first part. The second part is this. We receive the righteousness of Christ. We're clothed with the righteousness of Christ, which gives us God's favor. So when we stand before a holy, loving God, he doesn't see our sin. He sees Christ in us. He sees Christ in us who paid the price for our sin on the cross. That's what he sees because we have redemption. We've been justified, okay? That's what that means. And so uh, that describes our identity as forgiven believers. That's, that's, again, that's who we are. That's who we are. That's who we are, if, again, if you're a Christian fan. But it is. It's who we are, okay? It's our identity in Christ Jesus. And it's important to remember that because we easily forget, again, uh, I read Paul Tripp uh, a lot, and he, he uses the phrase, we're identity, identity amnesiacs. We forget who we are. We forget that we're forgiven believers. We forget our standing in Christ Jesus, and it's important to remember that. And many times when I'm struggling with life or, or things are, are happening that, that you know, aren't according to the narrative of Doug sometimes, and, and, I, and I struggle with things... Um, I have to go to Scripture and, and remind myself who I am. And I think we have enough time. I'm going to read this to you today. This is, this is where I always go, okay? And it's to the book of Ephesians. And this is something that I read over and over to myself to remind myself who I am, okay? Listen to these words. Uh, you can even close your eyes if you want, but just listen to these words. If you're sitting here this morning and you're a forgiven believer in Christ Jesus, you've taken him up on his offer of pardon, this is who you are, okay? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. 
Isn't that a wonderful recap of who we are in Christ Jesus? I want to end with a quote from Charles Swindoll that says, God's forgiveness extends to the worst offenders and to anyone who wishes to receive it, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. So again, forgiveness is a certainty. It's who God is. And it's a certainty when we, by faith, accept what Christ did for us on our behalf on the cross, forgiveness becomes a certainty. And forgiveness is available to all. It's by faith alone. There's no prerequisites. We don't have to clean ourselves up. It's available. And it is a choice. If you're here this morning and you've never made that choice, come see me after the service. Let's talk. Okay? I'd love to pray with you. Forgiveness has evidence. Again, are you walking in newness of life? Is there evidence in your life that you have a new nature? Are you pursuing the things that Christ desires for you? And forgiveness brings peace. Do you have peace? Peace, the peace with God, that simply means we've been restored to our created purpose. There's nothing better than that. It doesn't make life perfect. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have difficulties, but it means that the God who created us is walking with us, that we're in correct relationship with him, the peace of God. God's forgiveness is the story of our salvation. From the beginning of time, in the first pages of Scripture, God called us very good and had a plan in place to save us, not on account of what we could ever do or accomplish, but who he is and what he would do. We are his the curse of sin won't last forever. Jesus has already defeated sin and death. The curtain has been torn. The way has been made, and we have been forgiven. All who declare Jesus as Savior, confessing their sins, are at peace with God. We have the abundant life in this world and an eternal inheritance awaiting us, and that, too, is a certainty. Would you pray with me? Father, we come this morning... Um, just expressing our gratitude for who you are and how you've demonstrated your love towards us in the gift of Christ and him crucified. Father, that's overwhelming to think you would love us that much, but Father, I pray that you would help us to live each day in the knowledge of that, understanding that and walking in that, Father, and walking in your forgiveness. Father, teach us, as you've instructed us, teach us to forgive others as you have forgiven us us. So Father, this morning I pray for uh, all that are here that are walking with you, and Father, I pray for those that are not, that haven't made that decision, that you would be speaking to their hearts even this morning. Father, we love you, and again, just ask that you would continue to shower us with your amazing grace, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, when we're all done, we'll have some folks over here to pray with you if you have something that, that you need prayer about. And uh, don't forget, next week we have part five, which is going to be called Certainty and Mystery. So don't miss that one. And again, don't forget about Start With Jesus, if that applies to you this afternoon at three o'clock. Thank you, guys.